be part of community. Try and be part of something, contribute. Try not to detract, try not to take away. Um, for my own self and my, I think my own view was to try and see my participation, participation in community as not burdenous, um, as a contributor along the way. And so that, for whatever reason, has just been allowed to happen. Welcome to the Tell Us Something podcast. I'm Mark Moss. In last week's show, Joseph Grady and I spoke about healthy communities, how to make space for people to land, and how to be a good ally. If you missed last week's show, please go back and listen to the conversation that we had. It was powerful in a lot of ways. Big thanks to our title sponsor, The Good Food Store, to our enduring sponsors, CabinetParts.com and Blackfoot Communications, and to our champion sponsor, True Food Missoula. Thank you for joining me as I take you behind the scenes at Tell Us Something to meet the storytellers behind the stories. Each week, I sit down with the Tell Us Something Storyteller alumni and we chat about what they've been up to lately, about their experience sharing their story and reflect a little bit on their story. Sometimes we get additional details about their story and always we get to know the storyteller better. Remember that I recorded this conversation with Joseph Grady physically distanced from one another on my back deck. So occasionally you'll hear ambient sounds like an airplane flying overhead, a dog barking, or train whistle. This week, we talk about his artistic endeavors, his story, and about his experience sharing it on the Tell Us Something stage. After our conversation, you'll be able to listen to the story as he shared it on the stage. Are you an artist? I am. What do you paint? Uh, figurative stuff, faces are a main focus. I like to tell stories with eyes and expressions. Um, to convey mood, just to kind of say where I'm at. It's more my mental health process. Yeah. I've been painting and drawing since I was little. Oh, wow. uh, never went to school for it, but got in with communities of artists um, and learned from them. But mostly it's just what I do. I've always done it, so it's just, I'm always doing it, whether I have no intention for it, let's put it that way, in terms of you know, taking the art and showing it or having some kind of objective, although I have been showing over the last couple of years. And Where have you shown? Market on Front. Okay. That's like my venue. It's a block from my house, and I walked in there one day, was drawing, and somebody asked if I wanted a show, and we've just had a working relationship from them. They, I just booked gigs, so, yeah. Is it, in that space, is it, do you find that people are engaging with the work? Um, that's the thing, and I've actually talked to a couple of different artists about this. I was like, show your work there. Um, I've sold a lot of work out of there. You get people walking in and like, oh, they see it, and I think it's the lighting and just the availability of it, and um, it's a, it is kind of like, you know, essentially predominantly one wall and then some other little spaces. But I work with a lot of smaller pieces too, and so I'm able to fill that space up. And then as people are sitting around or going in to buy their whatever it is that they're getting, um, are like, wow, I like that. And it's, it's been wild. I've never had this kind of, that kind of success at really a lot of other places. Um, and in terms of like cafe or coffee shop kind of showings kind of a thing. Yeah, it's nice to find out like a little hotspot that tends to... You know, for whatever reason, it's the people coming through, yeah. honestly, you know. and Well, and now that's hard because well, a lot of yeah. people aren't coming through. Right. 
Right, they're standing outside, they're phoning in, they're in and they're out. Yeah. Um, no, it's the, I think art's probably definitely taken taken a hit in that regard. I mean, of course, you you know your yeah. your whole shtick is it, audience. Yeah, I mean that's where I think the magic happens. Is yeah, we did have one live streamed event, mm-hmm. and it was fun. I got to interact with the storytellers, but they didn't get to interact with the audience. Right. There's something about seeing an audience and and observing their attention. And you're talking to someone. You're speaking with a room. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, I mean, for me, was helpful. Had well, you ever done anything like that before? Um, not, not storytelling. I've done monologues. I've done plays. I've done theater. I've done, you know been in front of the audience I've done karaoke I've sung with my brother I've done performance in many different ways um, where there's an audience participation right um, but not with that focused of a a section of you know kind of my life and a particular moment if you will yeah. um, which was really cool I was I was really glad to, sh- to be able to share that and it was a powerful story. And talk about that. And I thank you. Every, you know, what was amazing to me was the the caliber of stories that were being... T- I mean, you had, like, Lily in that space. You had... Um, Kendra Malmachuk. Right, exactly. And that... I mean, those two, for me, are, like, huge. I mean, they're, they're, they're very successful, and they're also very capable of captivating an audience. And so I was in that space, like... Let's let's do it. You know, we're going to be able to do this thing. Um, but you know, of course, once you're up there, it's you get to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's all about you in that moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was very pleased, and I'm, I'm I was glad to be able to share that that part of my story, which is for my entire life is literally a, a transitioning point for me. I mean, that was I went from one phase of my life literally to another which finds me where we're at right now which is sober and um healthy productive part of um participating um you know just being plugged in you can be a lot more present when you're sober yeah for sure and i mean it was the sober was one part of it but also the, there was a lot of inward toxicity happening i mean the booze was like a symptom of what the problem was and so i was able to really start getting some direction in terms of healing the the actual impetus for the for that kind of behavior um and that i mean the ingestion of that much alcohol in the course of a day is it's hard to say it's not suicidal and so the to go from that to to making a complete 180 um, or entering a, just a different part of my life um, was really significant. And so I, that's what kind of what I felt was important about that story was it captures some of the elements of what made that possible, um, which was a vision, you know, I mean, very much so. If you, and I'm not sure I'd even term it that way. I'd call it like a fugue state. or I, even, I think I even said that on stage, that I wasn't con- entirely convinced that it was this big, like, spiritual kind of awakening. I think it was just my brain telling me that, hey, buddy, it's time to wake up, right? And you should be able to do this. And um, having that switch happen 
was significant, even if it was presented in kind of this vision-type experience. Well, right? these transformative moments sometimes take on otherworldly aspects. Yeah, for sure. And I'll never forget it. I mean, I can think of it right now and just walk through it and feel the experience of it. So it was really powerful, I mean, for me, too. So, What kind of feedback did you get from people afterwards? Um, the feedback was, uh, I think, in part what I expected, a lot of support, a lot of, um, hey, good job. Um, there were some people who, out of that, hearing that recording even, not present, but hearing the recording of it, because I shared it on social media, were like, you know, I've had a similar type experience in my life. And so I was making these connections with other people who had had significant changes happen because of a single moment. And I think that that was, um, that was fulfilling. I'll just say it in a very small way, it was, again, it was part of that connection point, I think, that came out of that. So it was just sort of a furthering of that outcome. Yeah, it was nice. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to say about your story or the activity of telling it? Um, yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, the backside of it has been, I think, probably the, for me, the, the really fascinating thing. It's not like life is perfect. It's not like um, all my problems went away that day. It's not, you know, it wasn't some like sort of magic stroke in terms of now I'm now life is is the best it's ever been. Right. Um, in terms of there not being challenges or roadblocks or hurdles or this kind of a thing. But what I have found from that point has been. This uh, this kind of things are falling more into line. Right that just weren't happening before, even before the booze, right? It was, and even into some of the booze, there was productivity and work and trying to participate and so forth, but nothing of this level. It's, it, some of it seems like, wow, that's gotta be a coincidence, right? Um, living opportunity, money, windfalls of money, um, not like, you know, huge money or anything like that, but um, not like winning the lottery or anything, but like at a time where I was down and out, finding resources to, to tap into without searching, um, having the phone ring and somebody call up and, and say, you know, I, I, I was really thinking about you and I wanted to know if you wanted to participate in this either art or theater or film, something along those lines where the dreams that I had before that weren't materializing um, are now not so much dreams. I have this sort of life goal, education and, and get a career and, and work toward, um, you know, really getting involved in my life that way. But along the, that path, things have just come up. And I mean, like the storytelling opportunity um, was one that I felt this part of the story needed to be told because these opportunities seem to be the result of a, a, a moment like that in my life. And so I've just been taking the time to embrace some gratitude, right? Um, see the value in a lot of this stuff. Uh, not, I really work hard to try and not get caught up in the why or the how 
or much of the, oh, I need an explanation for this, right? Um, or even understanding outside of just recognizing, appreciating a moment and saying, you know what? This is a wonderful opportunity. I think I'm going to step into this and just pour myself into it and try and, and kind of do what I think the initial mission statement was from that I got out of that moment. Be part of community. Try and be part of something. Contribute. Try not to detract. Try not to take away. Um, for my own self and my, I think my own view was to try and see my participation participation in community as not burdenous um, as a contributor along the way and so that for whatever reason has just been allowed to happen it's interesting to be talking with people right now after years you know they shared their story years before where are we at now and how has that story impacted your life now Right. And so then the last question that I was going to ask along that direction is, do you feel like you're continually having that conversation with Crow? Checking in? That is the question that hasn't been asked. Um, even after the recording, right? I talk to Crow every day. Um... I meet Crow along the way. I listen to Crow in the morning. I watch Crow flying throughout the day to or from. Sometimes Crow is calling and I look up and listen or I look over and listen. But every time I see Crow, I'm like, hey, Iksukapi, it's good. And I, I, I look at them and I say, thank you. Because you have a different meaning in my life now. And it wasn't I didn't notice before. And sometimes it's just a conversation like, I don't mean to put this out on you today, Crow. But man, the world is crazy right now. What do we do? And I listen. And I love those interactions. Um, whether I consider Crow my friend or, or just an animal hanging out or another being or another spirit, I don't know if that's up to me, but, but I feel like something has a, a kind of a respect or a mutual kind of thing has happened and I can hear Crow right now. You can hear that in the background there, uh, calling away somewhere. And so, yeah, I like to stop and say, hey, even if sometimes it's just to say, hey. Um, but I reflect, and Crow always reminds me uh, to, to be a healthier man, to be a better person, to be willing to be humble, to know that it wasn't always so great in my life, and to know that I have it better now than I did before. And that there are times in our lives where we gotta, we gotta step up to those hurts and we gotta try and be the people that we are in spite of those hurts. Uh, and I think that Crow reminds me to be a good neighbor. And I think that's what Crow told me in the beginning. And um, 
Yeah, I, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine in social work has always said, Joseph, when you're having trouble in the work that you're doing as a social worker, always go back to the mission statement. And so Crow is my mission statement. And I write stories about Crow, I paint Crow, I, 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 I think about Crow, I think about those moments, uh, especially when things get tough, um, especially when things get divisive. Sometimes I gotta go out and I gotta look up and I'm like, I'm here to listen. Tell me what you gotta say. Yeah, no, thank you for asking that because it is, for me personally, it is a, an ongoing relationship. Joseph Grady has an educational background in social work, cultural, racial diversity, and the arts at the University of Montana. Joseph is a cultural competency trainer in Missoula, Montana. He continues putting his heart into all that he does and works hard at building community wherever he can. Joseph shared his story on October 1st, 2015 at the Roxy Theater in Missoula, Montana at the opening event of the first annual Montana Film Festival. The theme was Real Stories, R-E-E-L. Joseph's story is called Conversation with Crow. Amazing to be um, in such company. I'll start by saying that. I want to tell you a story about a crow. Um, It's kind of a transformative story as well. I'm a drunk and a horse thief. Wait, it gets better. That's actually how a lot of people in the sober community refer to themselves when they straighten up, fly right. I started drinking when I was 21. That first experience, I blacked out, which should have told me something. But I really took to it, or rather it took to me, however you want to look at it. And off I went. Let me back up real quick. I was born in Browning, Montana. I am an enrolled Blackfeet uh, Nation member. My parents died when I was very young, just a baby. And I was adopted off of the reservation by an Irishman and a woman who is Swedish German. Beautiful people. Some of the most beautiful people I know. I grew up in Catholic school and public school, like many, many people in the United States, the suburban central Arizona, Indiana, Washington, parts of Montana. (laughs) My father's a professor of electrical engineering, dragged us around the country, very smart man. To get back to the story, After taking those first drinks, I drank for the next 17 years. I started my day with a jug of wine. And that was my lunch. It was my dinner, my dessert. That was essentially my life. There's a son in there as well, who was born at the beginning of this downward spiral. And the downward spiral started very, very quickly, much to my chagrin. I was homeless throughout most of that, disconnected from my kid. We didn't connect with each other until much later on in life. 
Public school did a deplorable job of informing me about Native American people. I was a little bitter about that. I don't have as long a acting career as many of the people here. My first role was the Native American in the Thanksgiving pageant as a child, and subsequently every Thanksgiving after that. <laughs> that being said, by the time I was out of high school and had graduated, I was over mascots, the Bellingham High School Red Raiders. I was over the Thanksgivings. I was over the Columbus days. I was so freaking sick and tired of it because I had no idea who I was. The only person that I'd ever connected to who was Blackfoot in my life was James Welsh. It was a book that I found when I was a child called The Earth, Writing the Earth Boy, Writing the Earth Boy 40. It was a book of poetry. And there was one poem in particular that stood out to me. I won't share it with you tonight. Um, suffice to say, that was a kind of a huge role model for me, something I was very disconnected from. Moving forward, I went on from high school to this uh, lengthy homeless tirade where I went through friends, I went through women, I went through jobs like they were going out of style. The last job I lost was right here in Missoula, Montana, a little restaurant that had just opened up. <laughs> Subsequently, I had been fired uh, for being drunk on the job. I'd been kicked out of the home I was at. I'd lost connection with my son again. And eaten in three days, I was sort of lost. A couple bottles of wine in my bag, my backpack. That's where I lived. I was used to living there. So at the end of this, I'm sitting in a field in a little place that's uh, now known as the uh, the Old Mill District, I think is what it's called. It's a used to be an open field with nothing but crumbling concrete, weeds, refuse, old, broken buildings. Quite appropriate for how I was feeling. Felt right at home. As I sat there that day drinking my breakfast of wine, feeling like, shit, I'm going to go back home to Washington with my tail between my legs and my kid off somewhere. I don't know what's going to happen. After a short while, this uh, kind of fog lifted. It was like the booze wasn't working. It's like a was just very clear. And situated to my right on this concrete piling, this old sort of slanted broken piece sticking up out of the ground, there was a crow. There were several others around. They were flying around, but this one was a little bit different. It spoke to me. Um, I didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> so I continued, um, I, I had this conversation, talk about an existential crisis. There I stood, or sat rather, with this bird. 
and it was telling me things. As it spoke, something became very clear to me. I was thinking about Native American history, thousands of years of Native American history. Suddenly just hit me like a fist, like a memory almost. There was a clarity to it, a deep, fulfilling breath. I asked the bird, what about all this religion stuff and the stuff I grew up in? I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Give it up. Put it on the ground and leave it. Leave it for the spirits. Okay. Well, I, I kind of went on. I listened a little longer. And after a while, I was just sitting there alone. I was drunk. Felt like I'd just come out of a blackout, which I had done many, many, many times in my life. Except for I never remembered any of the blackouts. That stuff was just sort of lost to the world. But this was crystalline in my head, what had happened. It was, it was clear. And the, the thing I realized in that moment was I don't have to do this anymore. So I stood up and I went across the river and I checked into this little hotel. I had a couple hundred bucks in my pocket and I rented a room. I detoxed in that room. I spent about a week in there convulsing, seizing, throwing up. By the time I could keep a glass of water down and a little bit of food, my time was up in the room. And what I realized at that moment was it doesn't matter if I'm homeless, penniless, jobless, no prospects. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to be with my kid. I'm going to figure it out because I'm going to listen to that bird. I moved on, of course, and um, I haven't, that was October 11th, 2006. I haven't had to drink since. And <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Turns out this is an AA meeting. <laughs> All right. Um, this doesn't have to stay here, by the way. Um, all right. So, so I have this experience and I've every moment since that point, I take that with me. I wake with it and I say, thank you. Think about that bird. I go to bed. I thank that bird. I've been through school. I've acted. I've been around amazing people. The first role I was cast in was Winter in the Blood, a James Welsh story. It was a bucket list moment, full circle. The thing I've come to learn throughout all of this, aside from um, being an actor, not being an actor, telling stories, etc., is that the Blackfeet are storytellers. That's who we are. We share with community. And that's the thing I took away that day with that bird. Ever since that moment, all of that disconnect and loss is completely gone. I feel like I'm part of a community. It's unbelievable. For a guy who was looking at the possibility of just checking out, 
I'm going to end with this real quickly. I was invited to the home of uh, Lois Welch, where James used to sit and think. And I sat for a moment out by this, uh, on this wood-carved seat. And it wasn't like everything had started to make sense. That feeling of being part of something actually became real. I felt inspired. I wanted to help my friends. I wanted to be a part of something much larger. And it was the most humbling experience of my life to be in that place in that moment. So I thank that crow for all of these experiences, whatever comes next. I'm going to capitalize on it. I'm going to make the most of it. Life is really juicy now. I really love that. Anyway, that's all I have. Kitaka to Matson. Thanks for listening today, and a huge thanks to Joseph Grady for spending the time with us, sharing his experience, and for sharing his story. Check in next week when I visit with Jill Albin. To be in a position where I wasn't scared of the cop, right? And like, I rather instead attempted to manipulate the situation so I wouldn't get in trouble, right? Yeah. What privilege that is. Absolutely. Just to start from. Yep. Tune in for that conversation on the next Tell Us Something podcast. If you want to support what we do, you can do that financially by donating. Go to tellussomething.org support. And you can tell someone about the show. Send them a favorite episode. Pick up their phone. Find their podcast app and secretly subscribe them. Please rate and review this podcast, which is a thing you hear all the time on other podcasts. And there's a reason. It totally helps. Clicking five stars and writing a review on your podcast app pushes their algorithms in such a way that it helps people find the show. I'm glad you found the show. If you ever want to drop me a line, you can write to mark at tellussomething.org. That's M-A-R-C at tellussomething.org. If you want to get some cool Tell Us Something merch, visit tellussomething.org shop. New in the shop is a recording of the live scored stories that were shared at the Tell Us Something fundraiser in February 2020. Check that out, as well as lots of other cool stuff. Thanks again to our title sponsor, The Good Food Store. Dedicated to supporting a healthy community, The Good Food Store provides a wide selection of organic food and natural products. Now offering curbside pickup, learn more at goodfoodstore.com. Thanks to our enduring sponsors, cabinetparts.com, the number one source for cabinet hardware since 1997. Providing the best kitchen cabinet hardware at a great price and knowledgeable hardware specialists, cabinetparts.com is the direct source for all of your cabinet hardware needs. Blackfoot Communications. Since 1954, Blackfoot Communications have fostered a reputation based on exceptional customer service and community involvement. They deliver superior technology solutions through trusted relationships and enrich the lives of their customers, owners, and employees. Learn more at blackfoot.com. Thanks to our champion sponsor, True Food Missoula. Offering weekly meal delivery to nourish your family and friends, have a look at the menu and order online at truefoodcsa.com. Thanks to Cash for Junkers, who provided the music for the podcast. Find them at cashforjunkersband.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Missoula Bone & Joint, providing superior clinical orthopedic care to their patients for over 60 years. MissoulaBoneAndJoint.com. Axis Physical Therapy. 
an enthusiastic team dedicated to providing compassionate and comprehensive care to their clients. Learn more at accessmissoula.com. Thank you to our in-kind sponsors, Larkjam Presents. Top Hat Restaurant and Bar is open with limited capacity in in-house dining and takeout. They are also now hosting live entertainment in the Wilma Cabaret. Learn more at logjampresents.com. Missoula Broadcasting Company. Learn more at missoulabroadcasting.com. Enlighten Lab Float Center. Learn more at enlightenlab.com. That's E-N-L-Y-T-E-N-L-A-B.com. Inertia Physiotherapy. Move better, feel better, stay in motion with inertiaphysiomt.com. Geckodesigns.com, missoulaevents.net. Podcast production by me, Mark Moss. To learn more about Telesomething, please visit telesomething.org. Stay safe, wear a mask, take care of yourself, and take care of each other.